Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, the third and final season of Star Trek Picard. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This, this is a strange one. I'm, I know, like myself, you're a Star Trek fan. And as a Star Trek fan, your Star Trek is the next generation. That's right. As is yep. mine. Uh, so way back when they first announced that they were going to do a series focused on Picard, with Patrick Stewart returning, this is kind of what I wanted from the get-go. For some reason, we had to prior seasons as much as i enjoyed them where it was just here's picard with a bunch of people you don't know oh wait no no seven of nine's here and they're off doing their own thing and all i well, could think yes. through <laughs> each of those seasons was where's geordie where's wharf where's the rest of the crew i mean we knew where data was that was drummed into our heads quite severely but but the rest of them, like the this the Star Trek is always at its best when you've got a crew and seeing the relationships and the interplay between the members of that crew. And outside of really Raffi Seven of Nine and Picard, for those first two seasons, you didn't really have anything. Oh, you had. Uh, the Rios, but even for the second season, for the most part, he was disconnected from the rest of the crew. He was busy, like her inside that medical uh, facility. You like, but that wasn't we are. just him though, because that first season, and the first season, the first season of Picard is the reason why I have Prime Video. I purely yeah. got it. Like, I know now it's available on Prime Video and Paramount Plus, but at the time, I got Prime purely for Picard. And there was things to like about that first season. We got Data. So we did get a little bit of Next Gen. We got Riker. We got Deanna. But then we got all these other characters. Season two, yeah. not just Rios, most of the characters got split up. So it's like yep. they introduced these new characters in season one, brought them together, split them apart in season two. But you know what? We've done that. We've reviewed them. We've moved on. We're here to talk about season three of Picard. Season three premiere, the title of the episode, the next generation, the finale, the last generation, which is just... Yep perfection but you're right like what you hoped a picard show or thought a picard show would be is what we're getting with with this third season it features guest stars who reprise their roles from previous trek media including patrick stewart's next generation co-stars jonathan frakes gates mcfadden levar burton michael dawn marina sirtis and brent spiner these characters together characters actors i don't know where the actor ends and the character begins like especially where you just jump to the finale 
and the round the table playing cards, which I do know from yeah. interviews that the scene was written to a point and then the cast are ad-libbing. Like that yeah. is just them having banter. And it's just, ah, oh, and it's how they ended Next Gen back before they did the Generations movie. But obviously the camera stays on them for a lot longer in this finale. But all these characters together, it is just absolutely amazing. And this is a show that's streaming. We had to wait weekly. Like if you wanted to watch it as it was being released, you couldn't binge it. I was looking yeah. forward to it every single week. And I wouldn't normally do this, but ahead of episode 10, I watched episode nine a second time. I never do that. I'll just yeah. watch one episode once, wait for the next episode, and then I may go back to a whole season at a later time. Not this time. I had to see episode nine Again, just an anticipation of the finale. But this this is a show that just absolutely delivers. It's obviously made by fans for fans. Fortunately, talented fans. Like, this yeah. is such a well-put-together show. And even when they lay on the cheese pretty heavy, love it. It's yeah. just so enjoyable. Yeah. Um and all of these all these actors it's like not a day's gone by, especially when they're opposite each other. They're so familiar with each other. They're clearly lifelong friends uh, in real life as they are on the TV show and it all it all comes through the camera, every little bit of it. Um and for a few of them for Geordie and for Deanna Troy were made to wait longer than the rest to get that, like that dose. And then they get some proper character moments to make up for it. I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. The payoff, the payoff is there. Livar Burton. Holy crap. He looks like he did. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's not got the visor, which he's not had for, for, you know, a while like in the movies. But wow, the guy's aged well. Well, they all yeah. have. They've, they've all, I mean, Patrick Stewart, he's like, what, in his early 80s? The yeah. rest of the next-gen cast are in, I've got to say, late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. This is not a young cast, but they carry this show, and it is effortless. And do you know what? Gates McFadden has never had more to do than what she gets in this. And I'm not just talking about her being the mother of Jack Crusher. She is such a kick-ass Beverly Crusher in this show. And yeah. when she's the one that's firing the torpedoes on the ship, amazing. Yeah, yeah, and they all turn and look, and she's like, what? I've had a lot of things to do these last 20 years. Like uh, they yeah. the characters are as shocked at her, like just not just being like willing to fire the weapons, but being competent, like really competent at it. I'm like, yeah, she's been on the frontier practicing frontier medicine in dangerous areas alone without help. Like, yeah, he got good. 
But honestly, Gates McFadden, she's probably one of my favourites in this season. And again, what she gets to do as Beverly Crusher, she's, I mean, she's always been good, but she's always had a particular part to play. And it's the same with most of them. Because, you know, whenever you've got an ensemble, like you, you've all got your little things that you can do as part of a whole, just as somebody's got something to contribute, something to say. But the way that this has been structured across 10 episodes, it's different to what we got as syndicated TV back when Next Gen was first on. I mean, Worf in this, I feel like all these years, we've been told Worf is a particular thing. But you don't often see it. You're doing this. He's cutting yeah. off body parts, and you know he's <laughs> wow. This is a great wolf, and the white hair, the beard, everything about this show looks fantastic. I mean, costumes. You know, you can't talk about Star Trek without talking about uniforms and what we're getting yeah. here. I mean, the jackets, the whole thing. I mean, we talked about that. I think we've. Strange New Worlds, like whenever they're going away missions, it's like, I would like one of those jackets. And we're getting more of that in this. The the uniforms look excellent. Yeah, and um, the the villains for the most part of the season, uh, the changelings, the leaders of the Dominion, which we haven't seen since Deep Space Nine, the main one that we interact with being Vadic, played with a plum by Amanda Plummer, who was chewing all of the scenery and having a ball doing it. Like, yeah, great villain. But they're only the secondary villain, it turns out, to the main villain at the end. Honestly, which... when when you find out it's the Borg, it's like... Well, of course it's the Borg. I mean, th- this is it. I mean, again, I'm pretty sure Patrick Stewart is 82. Thereabouts. Yeah. This is going to be hit. This is it. Like they, they always said it was going to be three seasons, and and that's it. So yeah, it had to be Lacutus of Borg. Like it had to be the Borg again. But I got bogged down with. Changelings, you know, DS9. Okay, so that's what it has been. You knew Vadik was working for somebody. And I've got to be honest, kind of sad to see her go. I mean, she was awful, but in the best way. Like, she played that villain really well. She's always smoking, greasy hair. But I didn't realize she's the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who is no stranger to Star Trek. He was the villain in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So there you go, like father, like daughter, Star Trek villains. But I thought she was fantastic and, you know, sad to see her go. But then it's the Borg Queen because you've got this mystery, you know, who is Jack Crusher? It's revealed not just the son of Beverly, but the son of Picard. Yeah. And then there is something else about him that even he is somewhat unaware of, and you th- and you feel like he gets answered with the oh he has the same disease as his father, but then when it finally gets revealed of like actually 
he's been infected with uh, biological uh, pieces of the Borg carrier signal. And when she comes back, the Borg Queen reprising the role Alice Krieg from First Contact. Like, oh, which is the best Star Trek film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, yeah. they couldn't get Anna, Annie Hershing back because she passed away, uh, who played the Borg Queen in season two. But if you've got to go to the bench for Alice Krieg, it's a, it's a deep bench they have on the Star Trek roster, thankfully. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. And, and she looked great. And then you find out that when she was left defeated and essentially what she's doing to keep herself powered up enough is just feeding on the rest of the hive. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what she's doing to survive, just waiting for Jack Crusher. And English actor, Ed Spielitz. I think that's how you pronounce his yeah. name. Um, he, he's great. Spillers, that's it. He um yeah he's he's really good and then when you're told so he's the son of Jean Luc Picard you're like yeah absolutely you, like for me I just yeah, bought yeah. it completely like and it's like and he's the son of Beverly Crusher and you're like yes I can see him being the son of those two and yeah he's he's really good in this and and we won't really talk about it now but where where the finale ends and what it's potentially setting up at star trek is in a very good place at the moment and for him to be a part of that thing is excellent yeah and he's he's doing a lot of heavy act uh lifting in terms of the acting department he's he's angry he's stressed he's disappointed he's frustrated he's he's vulnerable He's closed. He's suave. He's like over the top. He's hitting every single beat and he's having to carry a lot of scenes, especially when you're opposite like a Patrick Stewart or the rest of the cast who are so well established. I mean, he's going up against juggernauts, especially in the Star Trek pantheon. I mean, there are no bigger names to go up against and he's just delivering. Yeah. You know, scene by scene he definitely um, is is holding his own but i like that it's not just that it is the next generation because jordy has two kids there's one out of the two that we do spend more with who's is it sydney is sydney yeah. the one right okay so she's That's the one played by ashley sharp chestnut there you go so she's the pilot so she's the one that develops a friendship or a relationship with Jack. So I do like that. And I like that they built into the story that because there needs to be a reason. It's like, it, it got to the point where it's a little bit like the Expendables. You know, the old guard, the old action heroes need to come back and save the day. And they build into the story here that basically young people can be taken over by the Borg, not old people. <laughs> So yeah, the yeah. next gen cast are immune, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go with it. That's that's um, that's fine. You needed to have a reason for the next gen to be able to put a stop to 
the Borg. We're a bit all over. The, I, th- I feel like we're just like two fanboys here, like just really, <laughs> just all over the place talking about how much we enjoyed this. It gives us things that I never thought it would give. Like maybe it was obvious to you, but when they go to the pe- the what is it called the um when they go to the space dock where all the retired ships, what does it call that? Yeah, the, the fleet museum. Fleet museum. So they go there, and you do see different ships from you know different shows yeah. and and, and yeah, that was the nxo1 from enterprise there's yes. the defiant there from ds9 there's the original yeah the 1701a the kirk's film enterprise is sitting there you're seeing the original constitution but it's not the enterprise because that was destroyed it's the new jersey but that way they get the representation of the original constitution if the voyager is there Voyages. Like, all all of that is very cool. And and I'm sure like me, you're watching the oh my god, like this is great. But I, I thought when you're at the space dock and you're seeing all of those, I thought, well, that was fun. Now we're just gonna carry on with the rest of the season. But yeah. then yeah. when and they steal <laughs> the cloaking device from the HMS bounty from Star, Star Trek, Trek three, four, four or five. <laughs> yes, Jeez. yes, that's thank you. Which is amazing, but it's like okay, so that was great. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, guys. That was um, that was brilliant. Anyway, let's get on with the rest of the season. I enjoyed those little Easter eggs, and then the Borg are taking over all the current ships in the fleet, and then George integrated like... automation, which allows them to be synced and therefore transfer. The idea is, if the crew gets incapacitated, the ship can still do its job and uh, render aid to other ships until they can get crew back over there. But yeah, so course, essentially means is... operate like a hive. <laughs> yeah. <Which is> what... <laughs> They've built a Borg for the Borg. Like, good job, guys. So Geordi is like, you know, this was going to be a surprise and, you know, I was going to show you guys later or, you know, something along those lines, but I've got something. And they go back to the space dock and you see the Enterprise D. I I just I, I couldn't even believe what I was what I was seeing. And just like all the best Star Trek Starship reveals, they spend so much time showing you the ship from different angles. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Like give me all the angles, give me that classic Star Trek theme, and it was yeah. just amazing. And then because you know. What they can do visually now, they weren't able to do that in the late 80s, early 90s. So what we're getting to see the Enterprise D do now as part of this show is just phenomenal. So much fun. The pulling on the next-gen theme. like When you've got data, I did wonder, how are they going to bring him into it? Because, you know, even when next-gen was off the air and you know, in between next-gen movies, Brent Spiner, like the rest of the cast, is getting older. He's getting older. Yeah. And he's he's playing a character that isn't supposed to get older, but they found a way to explain to now Data is essentially, although he's still Data, he's aging as a human would. So yeah, like, he has the same kind of body as Picard. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to acknowledge that. If I'm honest, that's the thing that happened in season one. I still don't like that. But anyway, it's the thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> but now, yeah. data. They found a way. Okay, so Brent Spiner. It can be data. 
He doesn't need to sit in the makeup chair and have the the white or the silver face paint. So that's better for yeah. him as an actor. But he, ah, oh, he's just and he's he's great. And when they first got onto the the bridge of the Enterprise, and then everyone's kind of stood around and just looking. And what does it? Picard says, "You know what? I've really missed the carpet." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something along those lines. But then when they need to man their stations, everybody goes to what you know their stations to be from the original show. Ah, oh, it's just nostalgia overload. I I had such a, such a good time with the show. We've not mentioned him yet, but we really should. Terry Matalas, he's the guy. He's the guy yeah. that made all this happen. I think he was around in some capacity in the first two seasons. But he's a hardcore Star Trek. Just guy. season two. Right. Okay. He came in season two having worked on something else, but the whole season had already been planned out and they were really basically just handing out writing assignments when he came in. So he couldn't really influence anything. And then between season two and three, a lot of the people above him kind of like shuffled off. And that's when he got his chance to be like, you know, I actually have an idea for this third and final season. If you want to hear me out, I think it could be something real special. And just luck, luck that everyone else had moved on to other assignments and he yeah. was left there with his, his the door open to be like, hey, I'm just going to walk in here and I'm going to bring this phenomenal idea and this like great payoff with me. Like, is, are we all cool? Yeah, can I do this? Yeah, awesome. But Fantastic. Honestly, I'm so grateful for him, like like pretty much every Star Trek fan is. But if you think about it, it's like, so what, what is your idea? Oh, I'm going to do a sequel to The Next Generation and bring all the original cast back and give them all meaningful things to do and say, shall yeah. we do that as a season? It <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it shouldn't be hard. It should have been the most obvious thing in the world, but yeah. it was so, for some reason... <laughs> we didn't get it before. But we're just so fortunate that they're all still alive and in the industry. Like the, the maybe now, like maybe five, ten years, they might not have been able to get everyone back because maybe they'd have moved on doing different things or you know, whatever other commitments they may have. So everything just lined up perfectly for the show to happen. And I'm very happy for him because I've heard him in interviews. Like I think you turned me on to it. The uh, the Gates McFadden podcast investigates. And she doesn't yeah. just speak to Star Trek people, like other people as well, but she does have a lot of the cast on. And she had him on there. And he was talking about his love of Star Trek and what he, what he wanted this show to be. And Gates had nothing but high praise. Like she'd worked with many producers, directors, you know, whatever over the years. And what she found with him is that he would actually listen, take ideas on board, there'd be conversations. Like it was a, you could feel that it was a real creative process. And where he was coming from, it's like nobody knows these characters better than you guys. So they were all yeah. just so involved. Oh, I I love it. The approach to this show. And I'm just so glad that they were able to stick the landing. But seven of nine. Jerry Ryan, like she, she has does been... not age. She oh, is she... incredible. <laughs> She's she does not age. Like the rest, like the rest of the cast, she gives the payoff yeah. of all of her character development up until this point. And you're like, yes, 
this is where she's supposed to be by now. Absolutely. With everything else she's done, this is at, this is where that the at least where she should have gotten to. She she's been consistent across all three seasons. And yeah. yes, the payoff is here in this show. I mean, kind of jumps all over the place. She becomes the captain of the Enterprise. The Enterprise yeah. G. Like she, yeah. And, which, uh, that is my know. one bone of contention for this season. I'm like, when they're flying up and they're like getting ready to like drop their kid off at school, so to speak. And he's like, well, they've had a, a name registry because names do mean something. I was primed for like the USS Picard. No, because no, the no, end. Because the Enterprise has a big, brand new, shiny ship, the Enterprise F from the Star Trek Online video game, which was designed which was by this. a fan during yeah. a competition and looks amazing. I know and it, the, it was. It was in this, and and it came. And the admiral who came was under flying fire. it, who gets gunned down, is she's the uh, admiral, or she's the she's uh, from Best of Both Worlds, and she was in an earlier episode where she goes on as like a lieutenant commander with an, another. Uh, Admiral butts heads with Riker because they're both occupying the kind of the same space. Same actress, uh, Shelley. Oh, I can't remember the actress's name. So yeah. She's on the Enterprise F, gets gunned down by Borg drones. Like, what a shame. But it's just another way of linking like best of both worlds. She pops up again here on the Enterprise. It's, it's what the fans who played that game wanted to see and wanted acknowledged. Which is it is it is really cool, but I don't know. Like, I, I I like it. I mean, my only thing watching it is like they're gonna run out of letters. Like, I mean, they're up to they're up to G now. What about the the joke? Like, what warped into the Enterprise E, and they don't really yeah, tell yeah. us what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like that wasn't my fault, and yeah. you just know it's gone. <laughs> yeah, there's no he Enterprise was the captain E. Captain of anymore. the E, and something happened, and he's totaled it. And yeah. <laughs> they've had to build a new one yeah. to replace it. Well, this ends though with Captain Seven of Nine. Yep. Number one, she has Raffi. Raffi. And they're in a romance. Yeah. And she's, again, across all three seasons, consistently great. But she's not only the number one officer, she's romantically involved with Seven of Nine. And then as counselor, Jack Crusher. So he's not going by Picard. He's keeping his mum's name, but he's Jack Crusher. Yeah. And that's it. That's And you've got a LaForge on there as well, which is yeah. pretty great. And, and they're going to go off. And fans are campaigning for Star Trek Legacy. Let's keep this going. We know Picard's not going to be continuing, but I would be more than happy to follow further adventures of Seven on the Enterprise Gee, I think that would be yeah. really cool. And just spending more time, well, I guess in in this time, but I can't believe we've gone as long as we have. Oh, actually, you mentioned Voyager before. We've got to see Voyager. We're talking seven of nine. Tim Ross is Tuvok. Yep. Tuvok. When we first see him, they tricked us, and they tricked us very well because it ended up being a changeling. But Seven was having a conversation, and when it appeared, though she acknowledged it was really Tuvok, they gave us the Jerry Goldsmith Voyager theme. But then she said something that caught him out. 
So I'm like, oh yeah. no, that was that was a cool moment. It was still cool, but I thought it yeah. really was Tuvok. But then later on, we actually get Tuvok where she thinks that she needs to resign because the character I really want to talk about because we've got the next gen and it's great seeing them all come back. Sure. How good is the character? Sure. I think he is bloody excellent. I had so much fun with that guy. He's my favorite character of the whole season. Um, Like every single scene he's in, uh, Todd Stashwick is the actor. Oh, he is great. Phenomenal. From the second he he's on screen, like Inra comes Admiral Riker and Admiral Picard, and he comes in. He's like, I started dinner without you, and then they're like, Oh, we want to do this with the ship, and he's like, No, yeah, no, we're not doing that. That's no, you're uh, in a ceremonial role at best. I'm not letting you take my ship and do all this yeah. crazy stuff. And he's like, All season, he's like, We're not going to enter battle. What are you doing? No, why would we do that? <laughs> He's the voice he's of reason. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, yeah, that, but no, listen to this guy. Like, he's right. He does have an entire crew of people who are not Riker, Picard, Crusher, who he, whose lives he's responsible for. And, like, why would he go hurling his ship into danger at the cost of these for the, the sake of, like, one person? No. Yeah. And no, he, I'm not doing it, that. And, and, and he's right, and he's sat there, and he's eating his blue steak, and I'm like, what meat is that? But it's, yeah. but it's that thing, isn't it? If if the whole Federation was like the, the crew of the Enterprise, whether it's the original series, next gen, Federation won't last two minutes because no. you can't all be reckless. <laughs> you need to yeah. you need to follow rules. And, and there's, there's You need stakes. the lower decks types who get the job yes. done. <laughs> but the stakes ensure dies and honestly i didn't think that's necessarily what was going to happen but when it did as much as i would love to have more sure like remember the avengers and colson died and it yeah. really meant something and then agents of shield they brought him back and anyway it was a whole thing but it kind of needs to stay dead it really did mean something but the character is fantastic and the actor yeah. Todd Stashwick, yeah, he is fantastic. You know, as much yeah, as he's just again, that asshole from Chicago. Well, that's right. But the thing is, though, like you'd think you would just be His so story makes sense, though. It does. But you'd think you'd be so consumed with seeing the next gen come back and enjoying all of that that there isn't possibly any room to enjoy anyone else. But the other actors, him in particular, really bring yeah. so much to it. And it just makes it solid. Honestly, I've got mates that love Star Trek. Thought season one of Picard was decent enough. Season two didn't like at all. So they've drawn the line in the sand. They're not watching season three. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you're really you're just missing out like you're only punishing yourself like the show doesn't care that you you know just come just come and watch the the third season yeah it come is, enjoy watch these things it's excellent enjoy these things i mean what was it um was it episode 10 where we opened with walter keenick as yeah. anton chekhov 
the descendant yeah. of Chekhov from the original series, but was a nice nod to Anton Yelchin, obviously Chekhov yeah. in the JJ Star Trek films, which I thought was a really nice touch. But just hearing his voice in the opening there was really cool. And um, oh, actually, do you know what? Let's go back to the Enterprise D. I know, again, apologies, all over the place. But I, I was curious because, and I've seen side-by-side -side comparisons, and it looks very close. And I looked into it, like, how, how did they do it? How long did it take? Well, it took three months and a team of around 50 people to completely rebuild the bridge, which was a physical build and not done by green screen or VFX. It measured exactly the same as the original set, 50 feet wide and 100 feet long. They built it. And you can tell. Like, yeah. you can tell it's actors on a set. Yeah. It is amazing. Like, it is, it is great. Like, and I didn't know in the original TV series that either side of the view screen on the walls was carpet. Never noticed yeah, they yeah, had yeah. carpet on the walls. But then when doing research for this, the reason why was... It's sound dampening. Sound dampening, and that's what it was. It was for, like, the audio quality of the, the recording. <laughs> oh, great. But the Enterprise Bridge had carpets on the wall. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's also the idea of, like, the galaxy class that the enterprise was was for families it was softer hence the carpet it's like that's a that's a luxury for the families on board not walking on like hard steel floors all the time or ceramic or whatever they would have been built from like yeah it's just that sort of attention to detail what do you think about where it ends then because we see a character again I really didn't think we'd see again. Before we got season two, the idea of John Delancey coming back as Q had me excited. And when he first appeared, he was youthful. But then, I guess, saved money on CG. He aged himself up so he would be closer in age to Picard as he was an older yeah. gentleman in season two. And then we've got like an older Q, you know, the goatee, and the whole thing is that Q was dying and that's what was happening in the second season. But then Q ended and that was and that was it. So so many disappointing things about the second season. You get to this finale. Q's fine. Like Q is still here. And he's now moved on from Jean-Luc and he's going to be spending time with Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm fine. Give me more. Um, and that's just the thing. Like, they know they're immortal, though. It shouldn't have been a surprise. Like, it shouldn't have been a surprise to fans either, because the queue are endless. Time is a construct. They can go backwards and forwards all they want. Why would it be such a, a crazy thing to be like, oh, you know, like, you know, he's, he was just trying, he was done with Jean Luc. He didn't need to have anything else to, to, to play with Jean-Luc, but a son, hello. <laughs> I know, but I think if we go back it to makes... the second second season, before 
they took the third season in a different direction. That is the story they were telling. They were telling Q's final story. But fortunately, Q has been saved. And this third and final season was saved. And they were able to deliver something that everybody wanted to see. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'd imagine there are fans who are annoyed, but I love John Delancey too much to be offended. More than happy <laughs> to to have him back. We just again, like one of the main story points of the second season was the end of that character. But now he's back, he's fine, but he's no yeah, longer. But that's just, that was the same with David in season one. Dad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's you know we we've talked about it when reviewing the Star Wars series that they're not always the most consistent and can play a bit free and loose and tonally and what's happening and a change of direction because of what's happening behind the scenes. And it's no different here with Star Trek Picard. Okay. So if you're going to rate this season out of five, it's going to be five, doesn't it? I mean, as, as we've already said, this delivered on, everything i wanted and hoped for in season one and two but uh they beat it they slipped it before the finish line um the returning cast from the next generation uh, all of which who had something to do and a reason to be there and got character moments and everything else to the established crew that they kept around not being left on the sidelines with Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd. Um, visually stunning. The addition of uh, Captain Shaw. Something I didn't know we needed, but it, it made sense. You needed the the uh, the antagonist, the, the, um, the one that doesn't get along, the friction on the crew side to balance out all of the good feelings that you're otherwise getting. And it also makes sense. I mean, I don't know how many times I've watched a Star Trek episode or a film where they just seem to like bullshit their way onto the bridge of a ship and just take over, which they shouldn't be able to do. It's, it is supposed to be a military, like if not a full military, at least have a military-esque structure in terms of discipline and that kind of thing. And um, great villain, great payoff. And still managing to to possibly set up another series I'd be excited for. Um, not that we're stretched thin for Star Trek series right now and Star Trek content, but this is wrapped up. That leaves a hole. Discovery is moving on to its final season, so there'd be a gap there. And everything from the music, the, the simplicity of the title, instead of doing uh, credits that just, do a title card in the next gen font with the next gen theme and then episode continues all of it just uh affection uh, visually stunning actors all giving it their all i uh no notes except again the renaming of the titans to the enterprise g despite the fact they only just rolled out the enterprise f but that's like more of a, a personal taste headcanon thing than a uh oh no i'm out how dare they do such a thing <laughs> how about yourself 
It's an easy five. It is an easy five. I loved every minute of this of this season. Like I found myself, I couldn't just sit still and watch it. I'm lying down. I'm sitting up. I'm just moving around the couch. I was just so invested in what was happening. Like it was, it felt like event television. And you know, when I can't think of another example of season three being the best season of a TV show. It's pretty random for season three to be the best, but they've definitely they've achieved it here. There is no yep. competition. You can say without putting too much thought into it, three, one, two. Done. Like you, yep. you know yep. where you know where it sits. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I'll be going back and watching it again. And you know what? What we didn't really talk about. So if stakes, sure, didn't survive, but every single member of the next gen crew survived. And honestly, yeah, and despite the fact there's so many times of like, hey, this is the end. It's yeah, been a pleasure I, serving with you. All these goodbyes. And every single one of them, I'm like, I just don't see you killing this person, any of the next gen crew. And sure enough, they didn't. For, what we did lose for drama, the, uh, yeah. I was going to say, like, for drama and you know, all of that, and, and to have really high stakes that you feel really invested in two, three, you know, original members of the next gen crew are not surviving this season, they didn't go that way. I am so thankful they are all alive. The original next gen crew. It got to a moment when I realized, oh, I can relax a little bit watching episode 10. They're all going to be okay. I mean, even yeah. when, you know, Picard, he plugs himself in to bring Jack from under the Borg's influence. I thought by him plugging in, okay, so maybe Picard's not making it out. You've got Riker on the ship, Wharf. How many times have we heard him say, perhaps today is a good day to die? Nope, not yeah. today, Wolf. Oh, yeah. there's so much to love. But it, it felt safe. And I'm more than happy. I'm so pleased that everybody survived. I think if you're not a big Star Trek fan like we are, and you're watching it, you could feel like, do you know what? The stakes really didn't feel that high. Everybody walked away in one piece. Apologies, sure. But the next gen <laughs> all walked away in one piece. And I love that that's the decision that they made. And, you know, just things like just being, I know this is my rating. I'll try and wrap it up. When they're on the bridge and Data's like, I can get us to the center of the ball cube. And they're like, can't be done. It cannot be done. And he's like, I got a hunch. I feel it in my gut. You know, I, I can do this. <laughs> And then Deanna is like, I'm sensing, what is it, a joy or excitement? Yeah, 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 enjoyment. And it's, enjoyment. Yeah, and you see the big grin on his on face. On like, face. But then where she's like, you know, they don't know where Riker and Worf are. And you know, you've got the whole thing, you know, and there has been loss, you know, in the past because it was Deanna and Riker's son, wasn't it, that he, yeah. he didn't survive. And that was like a thing and, and you know, weight that they're both carrying around with them but the moment where Deanna's on the bridge and she's like 
I know where Riker is. I can feel him. I can take us there. Oh, it's just, it's just silly sci-fi, and I'm, I'm there for it, and I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah, five out of five is my short answer. It is a solid yeah. <laughs> five out of five. Oh, I loved this show so much. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is so good. And just around the corner, like, we're gonna get season two of Star Trek. Strange New Worlds, and I still don't fully understand how they're going to pull it off, but there's an episode directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it is a crossover between Strange New Worlds That's right, and, and Lower Decks. Lower Decks, but it's them in live action on the, Enter- on the Enterprise with Pike. Yes. Jack Quaid. But, yeah. With was the blue on, hair. <laughs> yeah. Jack, well, purple, but yes. Jack Quaid, he was on the Investigates podcast and he shot his he shot his episode. Yeah. In live action. I'm like, I don't even know. Like, are they gonna start animated? Like, how are they? I, I don't know. Like, how are they gonna do it? Or is the whole thing just gonna be live action? But the point I'm trying to make, we've just wrapped Picard. We loved it clearly so much, just like everybody else did. But it's not over. We're getting that Section 31 movie event with Michelle Yao. We're getting more Prodigy, more Lower Decks. We're getting more Star Trek. And hopefully, even more Star Trek with Star Trek Legacy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 100%. And and Strange New Worlds is also only like two months away from the time of filming. Like, it's right around the corner. Um, and the trailer, in fact, the trailer dropped, I think, like less than a week ago. I watched it and, you know, uh, number one's there, Rebecca Romain, uh, Kirk beams on, and the security officer is seems to be all flirty and she, she's like, ooh, what's that energy I'm feeling? I'm like, <laughs> like, ah. Oh. It looks so much fun. Uh, it Star Trek's in a really great place right now with all of these series, Lower Decks, Picard Season 3, Strange New Worlds, Prodigy, as you said. Where like, It hasn't been this enjoyable to be a Star Trek fan since the 90s when we oh, had... Absolutely. Like one after another, hit after hit after hit. And I include Enterprise in that because I love that series. But even then, though, it was one at a time with a slight overlap. Yeah, an overlap of like a season or two, not three no, or four I... shows running yeah. concurrently. So one finishes and you get a small break before the next one within the same year. Like that was not happening. No. And I've just had a look. Season two, Strange New Worlds, June 15th. Yeah. That's oh. when we get it. So that's like no time at all. And then there's going to be like lower decks that's going to come back. Oh, I've said it many times, but I'm going to say it again because the last time I said it was before Picard season three. It's never been a better time to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah, it's, never. It's incredible. What we're getting now and just having like Star Trek as a home with Paramount Plus. And yep. that's why we're getting these interesting projects like Section 31. I mean, we'd been hearing for the longest time that it was going to be a spin-off, a TV series spin-off of Discovery, and then it just went away, and we heard nothing for the longest time. 
And then out of nowhere, they just announced, oh, we're going to do a standalone TV movie event. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I hope Tyler comes back. That that was a great character. Oh, there were so many great characters on that. Oh, it's yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, so that's yeah, so they're referring to it as a special movie event, Star Trek Section 31. And they're able to say starring Academy Award winner Michelle Yao. So there you go. Yeah. It would be silly not to at least make Section 31 in some capacity, if not a whole season of a show, do it as a TV movie event. Yeah, absolutely. And test the waters. See see how people respond. Well, that's it for our episode all about Star Trek Picard Season 3. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic from an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.